This is Blue Wire. All right, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Rebuild Podcast. Episode 24, we are closing in on 25 episodes, 25 weeks of doing this, which is crazy. So as always, thank you for your support. Um, I'm Jordan Zerm, uh, your host as always. You can find me on Twitter at Cleve Zerm. You can find um, my writing at uprocks.com. You can also find some of my writing on my Patreon page, Patreon page. But um, field can improve on in year two and use some videos, took some some. Uh, clips of Baker from last year and turned him into gifts, and I think it was a kind of a cool and informative piece, both for myself, like as I was doing it, but for anybody that's looking, that wants to know how Baker can even take another step forward in year two, that is over there um, as well. As always, you can please rate and subscribe to The Rebuild on iTunes. You can do it on Spotify. Um, You can get it on Stitcher. You can find it on Art19. You can find it really anywhere that you get your podcasts. So be sure to do that. And as always, thank you guys so much for the support. Thank you for listening. I'm continually uh, amazed by just how many downloads I'm getting on this episode or on these this podcast per week. And, and it's growing. It literally grows every week. And, and the same thing for Blue Wire. If you haven't been able to sort of browse the library of Blue Wire and check out um, all of the great stuff that we have to offer, a lot of really exciting things are coming with Blue Wire in terms of more podcasts, more growth, more stuff that we can bring to you guys. So appreciate you guys coming along for the ride and uh, excited to sort of have you along as we finally, it feels like forever since um, last season ended and this season is still very, very far even from training camp. But I started this podcast towards the end of the Browns 2018 season, so I cannot wait to be doing it during and from the start of training camp from 2019. So a lot of fun stuff planned for that. So really happy to have you guys along for the ride. But it is unfortunately off season. But we do have a little bit of football from the brief glimpses that we've gotten from the Browns Instagram account, from some of the media members that were there yesterday when OTA is the only day of OTAs open uh, to the media was yesterday. Um, today is day three. And of course, you know, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I talked about it with Brandon Hall a little bit last week, and um, there are enough people spending far too much time on this um, on Twitter, on the radio, on television, wherever you want to look. But the Odell Beckham Jr. not being at um, OTAs, so he was there for the first day was not there yesterday, does not appear like he's there today. Um, Last year with the Giants, he was there for seven out of ten days, so he was missed three of them. Um, I'm assuming he might be there for for less for the Browns um, currently because he still has a bunch of stuff. He probably needs to move from New York and Los Angeles to finding wherever he's living in Cleveland, so I'm assuming he has a lot going on. Um, He has a trainer that he's working with out in California as well, so there's a lot of factors going into why Odell Beckham Jr., it's probably going to miss half of OTAs or three-fourths of it, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. Um, but I, one of the reasons why I sort of got out of sports talk radio, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons that I won't go into, but one of the reasons, and this is not solely where this is sort of the, the way it's become, or just how people do things now when, when they're one, there's not enough to talk about and you have to fill a lot of time. But two, it's just 
the medium sort of lends itself to grabbing the lowest hanging fruit and beating it into the ground. So people have been talking about this Odell Beckham Jr. thing since he didn't come to um, voluntary minicamp. And it's sort of reignited now that he has missed a couple days of OTAs. And to me, it, it just feels like the least important thing in the world that Odell Beckham Jr. has missed some of this stuff. Because if you think about any good player during any point of the season and how none of what's happening right now is really going to have any bearing on what happens when the season kicks off in September. Would you, in a perfect world, would you like Odell Beckham to be at all of the OTAs? Sure. It'd be fun to have him there. It'd be good to have him there. Obviously, you want to develop that chemistry with Baker Mayfield as early as possible. But having said that, Baker Mayfield has already developed chemistry with Odell Beckham Jr. when he was throwing to him in the offseason and prior to his rookie season as well. They already have a relationship and had it before he came to the Browns, and they're going to be throwing. Baker said he's going to go out to California, and he's going to be throwing with Odell Beckham Jr. and, and sort of the Browns wide receivers like what happened last year when Tyrod Taylor sort of made that happen. Um so that, that's going to come one way or another. So sure, if he was at OTAs every day, you'd feel fine about it. But I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody would be, the flip side of this is too, there's nobody saying, wow, good for, good for X player for coming to all the OTAs. You know, like there's no praise for it. It's just sort of something that happens. And if, if Odell Beckham Jr. was to be at OTAs, I don't think there would be people spending four days talking about, wow, what a great thing it is for him to be there. Like, to me, it is just the most meaningless thing to spend hours and hours talking about. And it is something that I just cannot stand when it comes to, especially the last sort of vestiges of traditional media where you're not only talking about it for one day, but you're talking about it for two days. You're talking about it for three days in a row. If you have a segment and you're upset that Odell Beckham Jr., is not at OTAs and you want to get it off your chest because you feel like you're, you know, you that's what you want to do, then you know what? Go right ahead. I'm sure that um, you are entitled to your opinion and you can you can do it. But when we talk about things that matter, um, coming to OTAs in May, um, which nobody remembers what happens at them anyway, um, nobody remembers OTAs, is just such a, it's just such a lazy way to go about covering sports. It's a lazy way to sort of drum up controversy and drum up people to argue with you on Twitter or on the phone lines or, you know, on television or whatever it may be. It's just such an easy and lazy way to do it. And it's frustrating to me that there are voices loud enough that can control and push the conversation where it becomes something you feel like you need to respond to and I tweeted something out this morning sort of in jest but like when Odell Beckham Jr. has five touchdowns halfway through the season and 500 yards and is you know being the good football player that Odell Beckham Jr. is um, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about him missing a couple days of OTAs and so if you look at things and if you zoom out a little bit and you look at what's important in terms of a football player preparing for a season it's not missing a couple of days of OTAs and sort of the hierarchy of important things and to spend multiple days talking about it because either you have too much time to fill which is you know already a problem in itself 
or you genuinely feel like this is an important topic, it's just really a bummer. And it's a bummer that this is sort of how the coverage is starting off with Odell Beckham Jr., where, you know, there's just so much other stuff to be talking about, um, more interesting stuff to be talking about. And there are good articles out there about sort of the coverages that Odell Beckham Jr. has thrived against and how that's going to fit um, with Baker Mayfield and um, how that's going to fit within the scheme of the rest of the offense. And, um, you know, and if there's stuff you want to be critical of, there's Kareem Hunt. <laughs> you know, there's um, there's plenty of other things with the Browns there's t- t- to criticize and legitimately have criticisms of. And I just don't think Odell Beckham Jr. missing a couple of days of OTAs warrants the fake uproar. And it's so fake and it's so um, just invented and, and forced. And um, it's really just a bummer and it's just not necessary. So anyway, that's my, I spoke longer than that than, that, than I wanted to, but that's my sort of spiel on that. Um, I'll look forward to uh, training camp when that's when stuff will matter. And if they thought Beckham Jr. isn't showing up to training camp, fine, we can have conversations about that, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, so we'll get to that when we get to it. Can't wait to see him out there for training camp, and hopefully this, this OTA stuff uh, will be in the back of everybody's minds uh, sooner than later. On a positive note, I was really fascinated by this. So uh, the Browns social media, which does a really good job of um, giving fans a little bit of insight into some of this OTA stuff. Uh, On day one, you know, some of the receivers were going through one-on-one drills with cornerbacks and Richard Higgins got matched up with Denzel Ward, which is a really fascinating matchup to begin with. But, um, you know, they had posted two of their matchups on their Instagram story. The first one was Denzel Ward sort of shading Rashard Higgins really well and breaking up a pass. And then the second one was Rashard Higgins running this really crisp route where he kind of pulls a swim move on Denzel Ward as he kind of goes to his left then really hits the brakes and goes back to his right and gets kind of wide open and hauls in a pass. And um, it, it sort of, I tweeted it and I tweeted out the video because I just thought it was a really impressive route. Like this wasn't a commentary on Denzel Ward or Richard Higgins. It was just, you know, one play, but it was just really crisp route running um, from a, a guy that his story is pretty incredible. Um, and we'll get into that in a second. But first of all, you guys have watched that video. So, you know, like Twitter will show you um, how many views a certain video has. This this video at the time that I'm recording this podcast has 109,000 views. 109,000. That is insane. I don't, do 109,000 people even know who Rashard Higgins is? There's no way. Do 100 people even know who Rashard Higgins is? Does, do people outside of Cleveland know who Rashard Higgins is? Like That is not something that I would think people n- knew about. But the amount of people that work in football or have sort of working um, for pro football focus or sites and whatever it may be, like have been quote tweeting it and, and streaming it out. And it's, it sort of just blows my mind how much traction this video got. Um, and I, I am really fascinated by this because I'm just fascinated by Richard Higgins in general because he is the last remaining wide receiver on this roster from that fateful 2016 draft from Sashi Brown and company. Now I'm, I'm not spend going to spend any time slandering the hero and uh, future president Sashi Brown on this podcast. I won't do it. And the day I do it is the day I walk away. Okay. So I'm not going to do that here. But if you remember in that draft, the Browns took Corey Coleman, which no further words need to be said on that. 
They took Ricardo Lewis, who it was just announced today is got placed on the injured reserve by the Miami Dolphins, uh, which is a, a huge bummer for him. He, I don't know what kind of receiver he was going to turn out to be, but I think he did have some potential to be a third or fourth wide receiver on somebody's roster, and for him to miss two straight seasons with an injury is um, is a bummer, and you hate to see that. So, you know, speedy recovery to whatever Ricardo Lewis is dealing with, but saw that today. Um, so he's no longer with the Browns. Jordan Payton was not with the Browns for very long. He was the third draft pick. And then last of all of them was Richard Higgins out of Colorado State, a man who called himself Hollywood. And there was a lot of talk when he was drafted about how he just didn't have the separation skills um, at Colorado State that you would need to have at the next level. And that he just wasn't going to be able to sort of, his athleticism wasn't really ready for the next level or it was going to take time to develop. And, um, you know, he had incredible stats at Colorado State. And obviously that's where he got his nickname from. But uh, there was a lot of skepticism about him, and it, that sort of carried on into the you know to the regular season where, as a rookie, he barely played, um, and then the Browns legitimately released him um, before his second season, and he had to re-sign and play for the practice squad, and he had to sort of fight and claw his way to get back onto the active roster. And when he got back on the active roster in 2017, he was fine. You know, he didn't. He didn't stand out really in any way, shape, or form, and that was the 0-16 season, which was a disaster anyway. So um, if you think about sort of that process, that the last wide receiver drafted out of those four guys, none of which are with the team anymore, all did very little uh, during their time and with the Browns and since. Um, if you think about where he was being released, playing for a smaller school, being released, having to re-sign to the practice squad, having to sort of reinvent himself, and then come into a season where, and hat tip to my guy Jake Burns for some of these stats. Um, we'll start with one that I I had tweeted out um, last season. Or excuse me, this was in February. This was after the season. I was doing some random research, and I came across that this is an advanced stat that uh, that is on footballoutsiders.com, but... Rashard Higgins was the number 11 wide receiver in the NFL in DVOA, which just essentially in layman's terms is a um, measurement of how much better you are than a, than the replacement, a replacement player at your position. It's very, it's sort of similar to what war is in baseball, which is wins above replacement, which is how many wins you add to a team compared to a replacement or an average uh, player at that position. Rashard Higgins was 11th in the NFL in that category in terms of just the value that he's bringing above an average wide receiver in the NFL. And he was below, these are some of the names he was grouped in uh, in with. The, the names, number 10 was DeAndre Hopkins for the Houston Texans. Number nine was Michael Thomas for the New Orleans Saints. Number eight was T.Y. Hilton for the Colts. Number seven was Tyreek Hill for Kansas City. So, um, and Tyler Lockett, uh, who had just had an unbelievable season with Seattle last season. It was number one in that category. Some other names on this list are Mike Evans, uh, Tyler Boyd for Cincinnati, Cooper Cup, who brings a ton of value um, per catch for the Los Angeles Rams. To be in a category of receivers like that from where Rashard Higgins was when he started his career is really sort of mind-blowing. And to watch a clip that now, it, you know, it's one-on-ones, it's a, um, you know, very little contact. There's no other defensive players on the field. So, taking all that into account. But it's just, I think it just gives you a glimpse into that sort of precise route running um, from Rashard Higgins 
is really, really impressive. And um, back to some of the stuff I was talking about that Jake tweeted. These are some of the stats from Richard Higgins last season in terms of where he stood with the Browns. He led the Browns in yards per catch. He led the Browns in percentage of catches that resulted in a first down. It's a huge deal. Baker loved to go to him when they needed a first down. Um, most yards per route on the Browns for anybody that had 25 or more targets. And he finished second in touchdowns. He had 100 less targets than Jarvis Landry and finished um, second on the team in touchdowns. So it is really just incredible to watch and to see what Richard has grown into. He had a catch last season. I I had some fun doing this, but NFL Next Gen Stats had every week they would have like, what's the... um, the, the pass that was completed by a quarterback that had like the lowest chance of being completed. And let me see if I can um, scroll down to this and bring this up because Richard Higgins, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. So Baker in a game against the Denver Broncos, that game they won in Denver um, threw a pass to Richard Higgins on the sideline that has 16% chance of being completed at that point. That was December 16th. That was the lowest of week 15 um, of anybody of any pass that was completed in week 15. Um, that pass to Richard Higgins had the lowest chance of being completed. And Higgins reeled it in on the sideline, made an incredible sort of toe-tapping catch as he fell out of bounds. And it's just, it's really crazy to to think of him as a guy that's going to be able to get open, make big, big plays on third down, run crisper routes. And if you think about now with Odell Beckham Jr. being slotted into the number one number one wide receiver, you can move Jarvis Landry back into the slot where he's most comfortable most of the time. And then you're just sort of playing with Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway in four wide receiver sets. And um, Callaway, by all reports, I guess says, you know, this is the time for this and this is the time for hyperbole. But yesterday, a lot of reports coming out that he's in like he legitimately has gotten himself into much better shape. He was a little bit uh, chubby is not the word, but a little thick, a little rotund last year, a little pudgy, a little dad bod esque going on last year uh, as a wide receiver. So um, if you think about the Browns offense and the weapons that they have and the improvements that both Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway are going to make, and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but what Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be able to do for these Browns receivers like Callaway and Higgins is it's not going to force them into the spotlight, and it's not going to force them to have to play too much or do too much, and it's going to be perfect for their continued growth, and I think we're already seeing from Rashard Higgins, a guy who has completely reinvented himself as a wide receiver, the payoffs of that. So I not only thought it was fascinating that so many people watched that video and Rashard Higgins started sort of getting a lot of um, a lot of love on the internet, but um, it's just really thinking about his story, and I'm hopefully hopefully going to be able to write about him sometime in the near future. I would love to be able to sit down with him and just talk about the journey that he's been on. So I will hopefully have that for you uh, uh, as part of an article sometime here in the near future. But for now, go back and watch Rashard. Um, and watch him last season because he did a lot of really big things that I think got overlooked. And I think he's going to play a really, really big part um, in this season where he's going to be vying with Jarvis Landry as the go-to number two wide receiver. Uh, And that's really fun. That's really exciting. That's really cool for him to go from a guy that the Browns were like, "Eh, you're part of that first Sashi Brown wide receiver draft class that's been pretty bad. And now he's solidifying himself as a number, almost a number two wide receiver on the Browns in just a couple of years. So thought that was really, uh, really cool. Um, I wanted to take a quick break to talk about one of our newest sponsors here at Blue Wire, and that is ShipStation. Look, when you're selling online anything, getting your orders out can be a, uh, a real pain. And this is something I've done with shoes 
because I have far too many of them and I have uh, used eBay for a lot to get rid of a lot of shoes and the process is just miserable of taking my packages, finding the cheapest place or company to ship them through, doing the shipping myself, all of that. So, you know, it's time consuming, it's expensive, there's so many carriers to choose from, so how do you know that you're making the best choice? And that is exactly why you need ShipStation.com. It is the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, you save money on shipping costs, and you keep your customers happy. So no matter what you're selling, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, um, eBay, like I mentioned, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, and you can use your smartphone um, as well. So right now, Blue Wire Podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. So there's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers. That includes USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. So it's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time, and you'll get way, way better rates than what you've been doing on your own. So visit ShipStation.com. You can click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. Again, that's ShipStation.com. Enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, let's return to the 24th episode of The Rebuild. All right, the last thing I sort of wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap up this episode, um, Baker Mayfield is getting married very soon. And in one of the episodes of Building the Browns, one of the recent ones, he was in some some barbershop that I'm not going to name because I go to Quintana's Barbershop in Cleveland Heights, and that is the only barbershop that you should go to uh, because they just won. This is just free promos right now. I'm not getting a discount on my haircut. Not on this luxurious hair. This is full price. Go to Quintana's in Cleveland Heights. They just won Cleveland Scene Best Barbershop. And my barber, my guy Theo, just won Best Barber. Voted on by the people of Cleveland for Best of Cleveland. So that's where he should have gone to have this happen. But, um, you know, we'll let it slide. But Baker was talking about how he's going to have to, you know, he's really developed this nice thick beard. You know, this really quarterback-esque leadership beard. Um, that has really grown from a just a average thing to a really full-on, um, really, I'm trying to think of the best comparison. It's almost like Robert Baratheon's beard, season one, Game of Thrones. If you know, you know. Just a really thick thing that emits like, yeah, I'm your king, man. I'm your leader. And um, today, it's gone. It's just gone. Shaved off, clean shaven, Baker Mayfield, OTA showing up baby faced. Uh, so, you know, the wedding is coming, and I understand. Um, his fiance was like, You got to shave that thing off. She apparently doesn't like it. I understand this. Most women, I feel like most women don't like super thick beards. I don't know. Maybe that's a generalization. Um, they're itchy, you know, they brush up against your face when you don't want them to. So, there's reasons not to like them. But, um, it's a little jarring to see babyface Baker Mayfield back. And I just wonder, you know, has there been a breakdown of what his completion percentage is? 
when he only has a five o'clock shadow compared to what his completion percentage is when he has a full beard? Because I'm pretty sure for most of the second half of the season when the Browns really started playing well and Baker had, you know, a, a incredible second half of the season, I'm pretty sure his beard was in full growth mode. And I don't want to be um, an alarmist here, but, you know, early on, when Hugh Jackson was coach, a man a man who struggles to grow his own beard, um, the, the numbers weren't so great. Do we know how many touchdowns Baker Mayfield threw with a beard compared to, uh, to the non-beard? Do we know how many interceptions Baker threw when he didn't have a beard? Let's go back to Oklahoma. You know, there's a lot of data here that I think we, I think the Browns made a mistake. I think Baker made a mistake not digging into the data to break this down and figure out his stats with a beard again and without a beard, because I, I don't think this is something we should take lightly. You know, he lost a couple pounds on the face with that thing gone. Is it going to affect how he throws? Is he going to be able to get taken down a little bit easier because he doesn't have this weight? I don't know. I just think it's, you know, the Browns once dismissed a $150,000 study that told them to take Teddy Bridgewater and they didn't do it. I just wonder, you know, have they even bothered to study to study this? Let's look at other quarterbacks in the league, you know, and beard versus no beard. You know, what's Joe Flacco when he's clean shaven versus when he has a beard? I don't know. Maybe he's you know, he's probably just terrible with all of it. So maybe that's not the best comparison to make. But, um, you know, what's Aaron Rodgers when he's growing some facial hair to compare to when he's clean shaven? I don't know, man. You know, okay, pants. My guy said on a previous episode that beards are out as we sort of move into 2020. Beards are, beards are done with, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, and I, I'm, I'm worried for Baker Mayfield, and if he gets off to a tough start, um, it's going to be because he doesn't have a beard. Now, maybe he will regrow it after the wedding. Maybe he'll bring it right back and everything will be fine, but I'm just not... It's a concern. I think it's a concern. I think instead of talking about Odell Beckham Jr.'s lack of participation in the OTAs, I think maybe we, as a responsible media conglomerate here in Cleveland, Ohio, need to be talking about the real stuff and the real nitty-gritty, which is how will Baker Mayfield perform without a beard. So um, that's really where I wanted to end the podcast was really on that super important note. Um, OTAs runs through the through the weekend and I, maybe early next week, I believe. Um, so there will hopefully be more content coming out of that. Although OTAs, as I sort of mentioned before, is pretty much just a a sped up walkthrough. A lot of learning going on. A lot of learning Freddie Kitchen's playbook, especially with Todd Munkin, who I just yeah I'm I'm ready to see some offensive stuff from Todd Munkin and what that's going to look like. So if that's something we get out of OTAs. That's really exciting. I did want to briefly touch on Kareem Hunt as we end this, and I, I know people always get up in arms. So I know let let him play football, but you know he made a choice where <laughs> that's not really something we could do. And that's sort of I was watching the Periscope. The Browns do uh, do other people still use Periscope? I don't even think Periscope is a is a thing anymore for maybe outside of NFL teams. But the Browns were Periscoping Kareem Hunt's. Uh, he met with the media yesterday for a pretty extended period of time. And look, props to him for doing it. Props to the Browns for putting him in front of the media and allowing them to ask him questions. Um, but a lot of the people, you know, and reporters were asking him questions about, you know, um, does he feel he earned this other chance? Does what is, you know, has he been going to therapy? What has he been doing in the community? Sort of atone for um, the domestic violence that he was involved in. And a lot of people on Periscope 
that were commenting, and I know this is never the best demographic to take things from, but a lot of these comments come out, and this always bothers me. It's like, oh, you know, ask him about football. He's trying to put this behind him. When you when you make a choice to do something like what Kareem Hunt did, you forego the opportunity to be asked just about football. Um, you forego the opportunity to be asked about how do you think you can manipulate linebackers in coverage with your receiving skills. You lose the chance to be asked about um, how do you feel you and Nick Chubb complement each other. You just do. And it's crazy to me that there are people upset at reporters (laughs) who are asking Kareem Hunt about why he deserves you know, a second chance so soon. And I, I don't think Kareem Hunt should be playing this year. I think Kareem Hunt should have been suspended for the entire season. So I know eight games is a lot and there's going to be a while before he's playing football again, but it still just felt like not enough. I feel like you should, you deserve to miss an entire season. Um, in, in like one full continuation of season. I know he missed a couple games last season after all this came out, but I'm talking about like the punishment for for something like that that's involved in in hitting a woman and and using your using force against a woman should be something where you should miss at minimum a year. So um I just don't think, you know, when people say that, oh, he's putting it behind him, why do we keep bringing it up? It's because this is um this is going to be a part of his life now, whether he likes it or not, whether you guys like it or not. This is what happens when you make a mistake like that and it's it's fair for the people to bring this up whenever like just like greg williams will always have bounty get attached to him um these are things that when you make choices like this you don't get the opportunity to or choice to say hey no uh, you can't ask me about that anymore i mean you can it'll be a bad look so um i i am i am happy that kareem hunt appears to be genuinely doing things like going to therapy and doing things in cleveland's community that are um, bettering him and allowing him to better himself as a man. So I'm happy for that. I hope the Browns are genuinely trying to get involved in improving his life and helping him understand himself better. Um, all of that is great. But that doesn't mean that you know he is free of consequence or free of people asking him questions about it for the foreseeable future because he he was the nobody else made that choice for him he made that choice it was called on camera and here we are um and it is on a side note it is also wild because i very frequently forget that kareem hunt is a part of this team and that he is going to get added to what's already a stacked offense in week nine but that's a conversation for another day uh because that is a, a long ways off so that's that. Uh, thank you guys for, for tuning in to another episode of The Rebuild. I am scheduled to have a very fun guest on next week. Um, Charlotte Wilder is a writer uh, and a podcaster for Sports Illustrated. She wrote a really great story on Jeff Fisher. After Jeff Fisher got fired from the Los Angeles Rams, she went out to um, his ranch and spent some time with him and what resulted in a really cool story. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, just talk about some other stuff, talk about the Browns, but I'm excited to have her on. And then hopefully a couple, as we move into the month of June, um, a couple other good national guests scheduled to join me. So um, there should be some really good guests coming your way. So you don't have to listen to my annoying voice for 30 straight minutes because I know 
all of you just to test it. And it hurts me, but it's fine. I get it. Um, so yeah, again, please rate and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Check out the rest of Blue Wire's network. Always check out, you know, Jake Burns' Browns Film Breakdown. Um, he and I are going to be doing more crossover pods as we move forward, so I'm looking forward to that as well. You are always free to email me about um, suggestions or just stuff you think I can do better on the podcast. My email is in my bio um, on my Twitter account, at Zerm. And, um, yeah, leave a review. And uh, thank you again for continuing to listen to The Rebuild. It's been really fun to watch it grow, to watch Blue Wire grow, and bring you content that I think you're not really getting anywhere else as we gear up for what's going to be the most fun Browns season in recent memory. So uh, I'll be back next week. Thank you guys again. Jordan Zerm signing off.